Donne mon ami Nous nous reverrons lundi Le danger la forêt est rempli Parfois l'attaque et parfois le repli Fais attention à toi mon tonnerre Elles sont tous les langues de vipère Et la vallée de l'ambition Est peuplée de trahison Fais attention à toi mon hasard Médite-t-il un jour trop tard Elle fut surprise de la poudre aux fesses Sweeper qui vive la jeunesse À quoi bon être enfermé tous les deux De dire sans façon l'amour Il se fit emmener sans un mais Jamais elle n'oubliera ce mois de mai Il attendit derrière les barreaux Le cœur fidèle, le cœur gros Elle viendra, il ne sait tôt ou tard Si elle ne vient pas, c'est qu'il fait pour noir Les amoureux qui sont en prison Pas le temps d'être d'Asion Et la vallée des réputations La vallée des petites maisons Et puis un jour enfin il sortit Il la salue, elle lui sourit Je n'ai pas toujours été fidèle Mais je le serai à présent dit-elle Regardez-les comme ils sont beaux il se serre fort, il se serre trop Jour et nuit l'un sur l'autre, il veille Ce sont les fiancés du soleil Les amoureux sortent de prison N'ont pas le temps d'être tatillants Et en taxi, ils regagneront La belle et des réputations Fais attention petite fleur, il faut savoir retenir ses pleurs. Bonheur trop souvent ressemble au malheur. This is Ing Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest today is uh, Quebecer cartoonist Philippe Girard. Your book, your one book in English, one of many books that you have, but the only one in English, Ruts and Gullies, uh, Nine Days in St. Petersburg, a, a charming travelogue. Uh, charming and personal, not, but I don't know if personal is the right word I want to use. It's great. I enjoyed it. It was really good. And, Thank uh, you. It's uh, it's funny, um, be, you know, being in Quebec, I don't really, my sense of uh, cartoonists in Quebec is very minimal uh, outside of people of Montreal. Um, yeah, so it's nice to see, to, to kind of get a wider idea of what Quebec cartooning is. Well, you know, we're still a lot of, a lot of artists in Quebec City doing comics. Uh, we eat together all every Thursday, and we're about 20. So, and I, I think that's more. That's even more than Montreal. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad you <laughs> can just <laughs> spread the news. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there a lot of support for cartoonists from Quebec Arts, from like the government? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. Of course, uh, you know, things have cha things have changed. For the, last, for the last decade, I must say. 
but you know we still have to uh, to make our way and you know sometimes I feel like we have to convince people especially the readers that uh, uh, Quebecois made comics are, are worth it and they're even as good as what the stuff that's been done in like in eight ten years mainly because of Michel Rabagliati's uh, series Paul mm-hmm. which is some sort of leader uh, for us but I admit it you know it's still difficult even though it's easier than it was and as for the government well you know I guess that depends uh, I've had a few grants uh, in the last years uh, especially tra- for traveling and uh, no one seemed to uh, to look at my work uh, like it was something juvenile or or maybe uh, worthless people are always respectful of, of what I do and I think it's the same for for everyone's work but you know uh, I think I think the the comics business is is still something uh, considered as child's book and, and on the French market. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you want to if you want to convince your uh, your audience that you're doing something uh, mature or something uh, I would say uh, something for adults, well, you know, you still have to struggle and and convince the audience. Growing up, did you always want to be a cartoonist? Yeah, well, as far as rem- as I remember, yes, I always wanted to be a, a comic, uh, you know, a cartoonist. That's something that was, in, you know, it's, I feel like that's something that I've been carrying along for a long time. Uh, and I, I remember my parents were very, uh, I wouldn't say uh, skeptical, but maybe a bit <laughs> worried when I, you know, when I was like eight or nine years old. And I said, <laughs> Mom and Dad, I want to, I want to draw cartoons when I'm gonna, when I grow up. <laughs> uh, you know, I remember the looks on their face. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that maybe if, if I'd said that I wanted to be like a, a knife thrower in a circus, that would have been better for them. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, it's something that I've always wanted to do. But, uh, you know, when I was like 10 years old, I was looking uh, around, you know, at stuff that was in the bookstores back then, like, uh, of course, it was all French series, French from France, like uh, Les Tuniques Bleues or Spirou et Fantasio and even Tintin. Mm-hmm. I liked that a lot, but I wasn't you know, I felt like this wasn't exactly the thing that I wanted to do. Uh, even though I really like Tintin, even today I still like that very much. You know, I even back then I remember it. I felt like it was, you know, it it lacked a bit of poetry maybe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I grew uh, older, a friend of mine uh, showed me a book by a, a guy named Benoit Joly, and his book was called Exit. And it, it's it's still available in bookstores, but it's it's not so easy to find anymore. But you know, when I saw his book, I said, "Oh my God! All right, that's what I want to do." It was a mix, you know, between uh, uh, the comics and and poetry, and I would say uh, uh, theater or or uh, you know plays. And you know, I felt like he he'd found something that was very interesting. Like mixing art forms together was something that that caught my eye. I, it's the name's very familiar, but I can't place the work. Um, he's not, you know. He, he's. he's I, I think he's stopped drawing comics now. Yeah. Uh, he, but he's been doing them for like ten years, and he's got. He had lots of influence on on lots of people on the French scene in uh, in Quebec. So he's a he's a Quebecer cartoonist. Yes, exactly. He lives close to Montreal okay. in Joliet. Tell me about the because you mentioned a couple minutes ago about your local scene, how you guys are very tight um, uh-huh. and work together. Is and, and is that something that's really blossomed recently after Benoit's work? Uh-huh. How how did you kind of come together or everyone come together? 
Uh, well, then again, you know, everybody's got their own story, of course. Yeah. But uh, when I was uh, younger, like uh, until I began high school, we, uh, my family lived in Loretteville, which is a little suburb close to Quebec City. And there were two other guys back there who drew comics. One of them is uh, Leftand, and the other one is Jean-François Bergeron. And uh, we lived in the same, you know, in the same area, and we used to draw together. And then uh, my parents divorced, so we moved somewhere else in the Quebec City area. So I lost sight of them. And then after high school, we we met again in uh, in college. And I, this is, you know, it's been those two guys. You know, they're very important in my whole. Uh, in the, well, in the process of doing comics for me, because uh, you know, when I got away from them, I I kind of forgot what how how I liked comics and how much I had fun doing them. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we met again, it was like in the uh, in the school. Uh, how do you say that? The school newspaper. Yeah. Is that it? Is, it? is this the correct way to say yeah, that? Yeah, no, school newspaper. Yeah. So this is where we all met again, and you know, we we all began drawing again together, and uh, you know, it, this is where it all started for me. Then we we went to university, and uh, it was the same thing. Uh, Leftan has his own. Uh, I would say clandestine studio somewhere in the, on the university campus. So we'd meet there, you know, have a drink and show each other uh, the, the drawings that we were doing. And then uh, when when I I left university, uh, one day my brother borrowed my car, and he because he, he was working uh, in a school uh, well a bit far away from from where he lived. And uh, at nine o'clock in the morning one day he called me and said, uh, Phil, I had an accident with your car. So uh, I said, all right, no problem. So uh, I left my uh, my apartment, went to the garage to see uh, how bad were the damages. And when I came back home, I remember I was walking uh, downtown in Quebec City, and I met Left Hand again. He was jogging around, and I hadn't seen him for like one year. And he said, he stopped jogging, and he touched my arm and said, Phil, we have to make a, a comics magazine. And you know, I was walking, and I, I was walking and thinking about exactly the same the same thing. <laughs> so uh, we we called Jean-François and said, all right, we're going to make a fanzine or something, a magazine, and uh, we want you to be in it. And this is where it all started. That was in 1997, and the fanzine's name was Tabasco, like the Tabasco sauce. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the first, you know, the first one that we did was like a hundred copy uh, Xerox, you know, very low, very cheap kind of kind of thing. And it was a, a really big success. We, we kind of sold it out in one month. So the, the second uh, number was like 200 copies, and it, it went, you know, bigger and bigger for uh, every number. And when we stopped, it was like two years uh, after the first one. And uh, I think we were close to 1,000 copies. So, yes, this is how it all started for us, and this is how we got to know everyone. Because back then everyone was working in their basement, you know, like uh, like everyone was, no one was known. So, you know, everybody were doing their stuff uh, for for themselves, I guess. Mm-hmm. But with Tabasco, we we got to know everyone, and this is where you know, for me, this is like this is something that you have to do in a small city if you want to know the people or if you want to know the the guys that make the same thing as you do. You have to to find a way to make people go out of their basement. And this is why Tabasco was so important for me. It was a nice way of bringing together... Well, all these guys, you know, we're st- we still meet them uh, on, their, on Thursday, on our Thursday's, Thursday's lunch. 
most of them come uh, come you know just for a beer or maybe eat something with us but you know it's still a good way uh, to make people get along and you know know each other do you um kind of bring your own work and share it as a way of like getting critique and feedback it depends you know i'm always very careful when i do this Mm-hmm. Uh, I will show my work to uh, to Lestand and Jean-François Bergeron because you know they're so. I mean, we've known each other for such a long time. Uh, I respect their opinion, and I know that even though we don't make the same uh, kind of comics, they will look at my work with uh, with a distance, mm-hmm. and they and they won't try to make me. Uh, they won't ask for for changes just to make me work like them. Yeah. So yes, uh, their opinion matters a lot to me. But uh, then again, uh, experience has taught me that when you show your work to anybody, you will get, uh, you know, you will get comments. But sometimes just comments for comments. It, it's not always, uh, you know, it's not always worth it. And of course, you have to know. Sometimes you have to to uh, to make a difference between a personal opinion and a very objective opinion. So, uh, you know, I think you have to you have to choose who you will ask who who you will ask for uh, for this kind these kind of comments. But of course, you have to ask once in a while. Uh, distance, distance is something that most of cartoonists uh, lack in their work because mm-hmm. you're too close from it. Uh, but yes, you know, I think you. I mean, as any artist, you have to live with uh, with you know critics and people's opinion. But when it comes to you know when it comes to the point where you have to say, okay, am I taking the right decision or am I going in the right direction? Then you have to ask the right person. It was the, the in uh, during Tabasco? Was this when you started working on uh, Jim Lamelange? Exactly. Yes, Slim Jim in English. Slim Jim. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so actually, much easier you know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Well, you know, I can tell you the the story about Slim Jim. Uh, when we were thinking about Tabasco, uh, th- th- we had two like two problems. First thing, we we had no money, and then we wanted to be uh, recognizable at first sight. So I remember we were at at Leif's uh, at Leif's apartment, and we were folding you know paper sheets just to see how we would do it. And then I had you know the standard uh, letter size uh, piece of paper, mm-hmm. and I folded it uh, instead of folding it folding it in uh, how would I say that? I, I folded it on the long side. Yeah. So uh, and I and we both of us looked at it and said, all right, this is what we wanted we want to do. And then I went home, I called my dad and said, Dad, we're going to make a comic fanzine. I, I explained to him what size it, it was going to be, and he said, oh, that's a Slim Jim. And then, <laughs> I, you know, I hung up the phone and said, wow, Slim Jim, that's a cool name for a character. And uh, this, is all, this is how it all began for me. I, I began drawing the character, and then I decided that he, he would be like this very skinny guy caught up in, uh, in the panels, unable to move. And so, he, and I knew even at the first uh, when I drew the first comic, I, I knew that he would like transform, or maybe uh, instead than you know moving around and or moving into space, he would be like a, a morphing uh, kind of character. And yes, I made five five issues uh, on my own, and then our first book got published by uh, Zone Convective in Montreal, and I even got a prize for that book. A prize? Uh, yeah. What kind of prize? It was uh, Bidiesco uh, in 2000, uh, so I won the, uh, uh, how, how can I translate that, Best Hope, or something like that. Uh, promising? Yeah, exactly, Promising uh, Artist. Yes. For that book. Good. Well. Have you seen, have you found this one in, uh, in BC? No, no, like <laughs> I said, we have very little 
I would have been very flattered. No, say la vie. Um... À Québec, au clair de lune, comme il fait bon. À Québec, avec ma brune, nous nous aimons. Monter sur la citadelle. Petites hirondelles dans les buissons, mais dans la main amoureux, jeunes et vieux se promènent sur la terrasse, et la fanfare de ses sons mélodieux remplit toute la place. À Québec, au clair de lune, Québec avec ma brune, nous nous aimons. À Québec au clair de lune, comme il fait bon. À Québec avec ma brune, nous nous aimons. Montez sur la citadelle. series is like in through site yeah Gustav uh, the Captain Planet mm -hmm. Captain Planet is not exactly comics even though I've been you know I actually it's like kids novels yeah but you know when the editor uh, well first my, my my wife was drawing uh, was drawing uh, books for kids back then and every time she got the scenario I would sit in the in, you know in the living room and read it and say oh my god this is supposed to be stuff for boys but I feel like it's been written by women and it's too politically correct to be really uh, <laughs> for boys. So I said, all right, I'm going to write something. So I, I wrote the first, the first novel, uh, which is the story of a little boy who, who reads uh, science fiction uh, novels, and he, he gets confused. You know, he, he, after a while, he, he gets caught by the story, so he sees uh, UFOs everywhere. So basically, that's that's the you know that's that's the the generic <laughs> of it, and I sent it to to the uh, to the editor the, the editor La Courtechelle, and they said, all right, we're going to publish it, but you have to to uh, get into it as if it was uh, a comic. So they they really wanted my approach to be close to comics. Yeah. So the result, you know, in the end, the book really looks like a novel for kids. But if you read it, if you look at the drawings, you'll say, oh, okay, this guy's been reading comics for a long time. 
Is this a common thing with uh, with French cartoonists? I know like Trondheim, Safar, Guibert, uh, all do children's work as well as their personal. I don't work. know. I don't know. Frankly, uh, you know, I uh, let, let's speak for myself. Uh, I haven't done any more of Captain's Planet <laughs> now for for like uh, four years because. Uh, even though I really like the series, I still find it. I find it difficult not to not to draw panels, not to draw uh, the dialogue uh, bubbles. You know, it's it's still it's still close to illustration. And experience has taught me that sometimes comic artists are not so good at doing illustration illustration jobs. Uh, it's still a different approach, and and you know, and the other way around, of course, is all is also true. Illustrators are not always very good at comics. No. And since comics is what I want to do, I, after a while, I've decided that I would go back to comics and, you know, leave the uh, the, the novel for kids for, for guys who really like it. And and there's also <laughs> another problem with novel for kids. Actually, in the French scene, you know, there are so many, uh, how would I say, you know, you have to make like seven word sentences and uh, five lines uh, paragraphs. Yeah. So in the end, when you read any book, you always feel like they've been written by the same guy. Which, of course, is not the case with comics. You have to show your own personality when you draw comics. So uh, then again, that, that's, that's something that I was annoyed by this, this whole thing. You know, I wanted my books to have a personality, and it, I felt like a, I, I couldn't move like, you know, far away from, far enough from the, the, the I don't know, from the thing that they asked me to do. But, what? you know, it was a good experience, and it, it taught me a lot of, about writing scenarios. Which, of course, is something important when you draw comics as well. Indeed. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier is poetry. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious how, because I, I see you saying that in kind of meaning like there's almost like a soul to work. Well, so you know, that's exactly how I see it. You know, whenever I want to write a, a scenario, the first thing I do, I, you know, I have lots of, uh, of uh, how, how do you say that, you know, um, a book with lots of poems in it, uh, but not necessarily written by the same guys. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've got lots of those books in my, in my studio. So I often uh, go to them just to start to work. I need, I need inspiration, and I always find inspiration in poetry. Because to me, poetry is the, the most difficult thing to do for a, for a writer. You can write a, a great novel, it'll be difficult but writing a good poem will be even more difficult. So, uh, I, I, and I like to believe that uh, poetry is something that will help any reader to, I don't know, find solution, or maybe find, uh, it's closer to abstraction, actually, than any other way of writing, and that's why I like it. So I go to poetry, to poetry just to get inspiration, and, and while I'm working, I often go back to poetry to help me move uh, ahead. So yes, I guess uh, it gives soul to to my stories. Well, I hope it does. What do what what does making comics do for you as a person, as far as your own kind of? Yeah, race? well, you know, the the thing that I like the most about doing comics is is the fact that I work alone. That's something that I always wanted to do. I like to be in my studio, you know, with no sound and no one wandering around me and just drawing. That's the thing that I like the most. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not. It's not something really. Uh, I mean, it, I, I pr it's probably a big deception for for your audience. <laughs> but I mean, drawing alone and being alone in my studio is something that I like very much. So that's the first thing that I like about comics. The other thing, uh, 
well, you know, the other thing for me is that I think that comics is still uh, a very young art form. So, you know, there's still lots to do with, with comics. And I think that, uh, you know, as we, as we speak, you know, the audience is, going, is getting uh, wider and wider. So that's something very interesting. And I must say that uh, this year being translated in English is also a very, something really, you know, I, I've been expecting, I've been waiting for that day for so many years. <laughs> it's like a dream come true. So, you know, these are the things that make me go on. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it different? Um, are English comic fans and being around that, because you're at TCAF in Toronto, Yes. In May. Was that very different from your other experiences in, in French scenes? Yes, it was very different. First thing, you know, uh, I was with, with Joe Ullman. Yeah. And uh, the first guy that bought my book asked for a signature. So, I, you know, I opened my, my, my pencil case and I took my brush and began to make a drawing. And everybody was looking at me and saying, oh, my God, you're not going <laughs> to make a drawing? <laughs> That's something. I, I didn't know that on the English scene uh, no one was making drawings. I knew that people sometimes what? asked to be paid for drawings. But when you're on the French scene, if if someone uh, buys your book, you know it, it would be very rude not to make a drawing. It so that that's a difference. difference. <laughs> uh, but then you know there are lots of things that I really like in TCAF. Uh, first thing, it, it lasts for only two days, which in my opinion is uh, is more than enough. <laughs> uh, the French the French comics festival are always too long. Uh, in Angoulême, it lasts for five days, uh, and it's you know. After a couple of days, you really, you're really exhausted. You can't see a book anymore. I mean, you, you, I, mean I, w- I would personally jump on the first train and go elsewhere, you know, just to think about something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in Montreal or Quebec, on the festivals that I've been, uh, after a while, you, you kind of, you know, you get tired of seeing all this, the same guys asking for drawings and sometimes, the, you know, uh, asking for a second drawing, just hoping that this will make their book more valuable than the neighbors. A second drawing in the same book? Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's something, you know, <laughs> comics collectors sometimes can really piss me off, I admit. But out from that, you know, uh, well, you know, I guess comic collectors are all the same everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there's the, that. I hope that doesn't happen too often. Well, you know, it happens after a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few years ago, well, no, not a few years ago, like a decade ago, a guy told me, a guy in uh, Angoulême uh, told me, uh, an editor, he said, if you want to make your, your way in the, in the comics business, you have to make a book and, an, and another one and another one. You know, you have to stay there and keep yeah. working. If you make just one book or two books, you, I mean, you, you'll never go anywhere. Yeah. So, of course, if you stay in the business for a long time, then people get to know you. And then they will, you know, they will get more and more interested in your work. So this is where the, the whole signature business uh, gets to be a bit annoying. This is when the guys want some uh, specific drawings, or they will ask you uh, for a second drawing, or maybe they will ask you to, to tear a page apart, uh, make a drawing especially for them, and then they'll try to sell it on eBay. So, yes, I mean, <laughs> that's again, that's part of the, the comics business. That, that but most of most of the of the guys who ask me for drawing are very nice, and I must say I'm I feel like I'm very uh, you know uh, well you know I see it like as a, a privilege because lots of women ask me for drawings, and I, I admit you know comics are still uh, well from what I've seen comics are still very much a guy's thing. Mm-hmm. So when I, whenever a lady asks me for a drawing, I'm very flattered. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, hanging out with the with the girls is what being an artist is. is it doesn't happen often, but it does happen. It does happen. Well, you know, it, it does happen very often to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, ruts and gullies, uh, yeah. or uh, Le ravines. Yeah. Um, and it, it will be translated, translated in Russian uh, in the next few months, but I, I can't say the word in, in Russian. It's too complicated. <laughs> That's okay. I probably can't even say the French. Um <laughs> That's your first book in English. Yes. Actually, I, I made a short story in uh, Cyclops. Uh, oh. It was like in 2002, I think. Uh, and this book was published by Conundrum Press as well. Mm -hmm. So, But yes, uh, Russ and Galicia is my first book, my first complete book in English. I should do a disclaimer for folks. The Ink Studs book is also being published by Conundrum, Conundrum Press. Conundrum Press, yes. So just this is where all the good people meet. It's, all, it's uh, my own... I should say my own, you know. I've got connections to this, and, it, and it's important to be up front. Um, but I really enjoyed Ruts and Gullies. Thank you. Is that uh, like what your other work is like? Because uh, it seems like a very specific No, I must say my, all my it. last books are very much like this one. They're personal, and, uh, you know, I was talking about poetry. If you've read Ruts and Gullies, you've probably noticed that there's a, uh, a poetry line uh, mm -hmm. somewhere in the book that, that the, the characters carry to, to the end. So, uh, actually, you know, I, I must say, uh, Ruts and Gullies is for something very important for me, or uh, maybe I would say, I should say Le, Les Ravins, which is yeah. the first uh, edition, the, the French edition, is something very important for me, because it happened at a time when I, was, I got tired of comics. I had been doing a, a sequel in the newspaper for one year, and it was very, very exhausting. So at the end of that year, I felt like I had to, to quit the, the comic business because, uh, you know, I was working for $10 per day, uh, which is, of course, not enough to earn a living. And uh, I really, I felt like I had given lots, uh, lots of work and uh, a, a great part of myself into that project for almost nothing. Yeah. And then the invitation uh, came to go to this Russian festival in uh, in St. Petersburg. And uh, two years ago, around the same date, my best friend died of cancer. So the the whole thing, you know, was like uh, I, I mixed the whole thing in the book, but it, it also was in my head before leaving for the for the festival. And I came back, and I felt it was normal for me to make that book because I I wanted to talk about my friend's death, and I wanted to give a hand to the guys of the at that festival in Russia. Uh, because no one wanted to go to their festival. Everybody was scared. <laughs> no, really. Uh, yeah. And the, their goal was to uh, to convince people outside uh, the Russian influence zone to come to their festival. So I felt like maybe if I did a book, uh, people would read it and maybe say, "All right, if they invite me, I'll go." So it, it, it's it's it. When I look at it with a distance, I think it's been a turning point in my career, and the, all, all the stuff that I've done afterwards uh, is a bit. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that it looks like Rotten Gullies because even graphically I've, I've changed my way of drawing and I've added color and yeah, I've even done stuff that's uh, with, lot, with more pages mm -hmm. than Rotten Gullies but uh, I mean it's still a very important book in my career It also seems like it's uh, you're talking about the loss of uh, your best friend um, yeah. and it seems like it's kind of a way of Remembrance, but also clo closure for yourself. Uh, it is, 
uh, you know, there's a word in French called uh, resilience. I think uh, resilience is that it in English? When you heal by doing something. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's what Rotten Gullies is uh, for me. It's the book of, uh, of my own healing. I was carrying my my best friend's death, uh, and you know, I I wasn't at peace with it because he, he he wasn't living in Quebec City, but he he had his cancer treatments in a hospital here in Quebec City. So I for one year. I, uh, I went to the hospital every day to see him and to talk with him and, you know, just to give him company. And I was very disappointed when he died, of course, and I, I was frustrated. I felt like all my efforts had done nothing and that I was, you know, I felt like I I worked for nothing. So, uh, yes, you know, Rath and Gullies is something that, that's been, you know, it, it's like I said, it's the book about my healing. and. You know, even a few years later, when I look at it, I can still feel uh, the pain that I had when I was drawing it. So, uh, and it, as I said, it, I still there's something in, in Rotten Gullies, in in the approach that I think you can feel in my uh, my other books, the one that I've done afterwards. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say the poem? Yes, the Rotten Gullies poem. Do you remember it? Yeah, well, I remember it in French, <laughs> of course, but. Uh, <laughs> I can give it to you in English if you want. Let's hear uh, it in both. What? French and English. Oh my God, that's <laughs> a big task. Or at least a line. At least a line. Well, uh, um, just a line. Okay, wait a second. I'm cheating. You know, I'm, I've opened my book, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at it. So it says uh, it looked smooth on paper, but there are many rotten gullies to cross. And in in French, uh, the French equivalent to this. Uh, so this sentence is uh, weird. <laughs> Still looking at it in my book. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cheating, but I don't have good memory. I admit, and I still have to keep an eye on my daughters. So in French, it says, Sur le papier, tout était plat. On avait juste oublié les ravins. Et c'est justement par eux qu'il faut passer. That's that poet line, that poetry line that I like so much. That's very nice. Um, the book, you have... Uh Another book coming out from Conundrum, am yeah. I right? And yes. Which, which, what is that? Okay, so it's the. Uh, it was released in French last year. In French, the name is uh, Tuer Velasquez. So I guess I would I would translate that translate that by to kill Velasquez. And it tells us it's an autobiographical autobiographical book, and it tells the story from my uh, teenage years. Uh, when my parents divorced, uh, we moved somewhere else in the Quebec City area, and my mother was worried that I had no friends uh, in my, uh, in, you know, in my new area. So she, uh, she, she decided that I would, I would go into this uh, kids, uh, or I say maybe I should say to this teens club, that was called Les Oies Blanches, and uh, it was led by a pedophile priest. So the story tells how I discovered uh, this this whole situation. And how I how I got to talk about it with my parents, and actually it's a book about the importance of books, mm-hmm. uh, because as I explain in the book, uh, I was reading this, uh, you know stuff. I don't know if these books have been translated in English, but uh, Bob Moran and uh, Nick Jordan and Doc Savage. Do you know these uh, no. ancient? Uh, okay, so the, these are novels that my father read when he was a teenager in the fifties. So they're really ancient and they're really uh, kind of retro style. But uh, since I was going into this uh, very old school, downtown Quebec City, it was the, home, the only thing that I could read uh, in, in, you know, out, outside the religious books. 
So uh, and I, and I was living very far away from the school. I had to make one hour in bus every morning and, and every evening. So uh, in the morning I would get two copies uh, of those novels, read one on the way back, and then uh, one on, in the morning on the way to the school. So uh, in in Three Velasquez I explained that these books saved my life uh, because if the characters, even though they weren't real, even though they were uh, fiction characters. Uh, their their example showed me the way to uh, to get out of this uh, you know this pedophile stuff. So it's going to be translated by uh, Conundrum Press in the next year. Hopefully, amazing. I should uh, launch it in TCAF next year. It sounds amazing. Yeah, well, I I hope so. It's uh, you know it, it hasn't been uh, so easy to do. I admit I have had I've had a hard time drawing this book, but uh, again you know when it when it got released and. Uh, the, it, it had such a great uh, how should I say people have been so uh, receptive to it that I you know I really look forward to see the English version Un jour je ferai mon grand cerf-volant Un côté rouge, un côté blanc Un jour je ferai mon grand cerf-volant un côté rouge, un côté blanc, un côté tendre Un jour je ferai mon grand cerf-volant J'y ferai monter vos cent mille enfants Ils vont m'entendre Je les vois venir du soleil levant Puis j'attellerai les chevaux du vent Un cheval rouge, un cheval blanc Puis j'attellerai les chevaux du vent Un cheval rouge, un cheval blanc Cheval pille, puis j'appellerai les chevaux du vent et nous irons voir tous les océans s'ils sont en vie, si les océans sont toujours vivants. Par-dessus les bois, par-dessus les champs, un oiseau rouge, un oiseau blanc. Par-dessus les bois, par-dessus les champs, un oiseau rouge, un oiseau blanc, un oiseau lyre. Par-dessus les bois, par-dessus les champs Il nous mènera chez le mal méchant Pour le détruire Bombe de silence et couteau d'argent ah, Nous mettrons le mal à feu et à sang Un soleil rouge, un soleil blanc Nous mettrons le mal à feu et à sang Un soleil rouge, un soleil blanc Un soleil sombre Nous mettrons le mal à feu et à sang un nuage monte, un autre descend Un jour sans ombre Puis nous raserons la ville en passant Quand nous reviendrons, le cœur triomphant Un côté rouge, un côté blanc Quand nous reviendrons, le cœur triomphant Un côté rouge, un côté blanc Un côté homme Quand nous reviendrons, le cœur triomphant alors vous direz, ce sont nos enfants Mais quel est cet homme Qui les a menés loin de leurs parents Je remonterai sur mon cerf-volant Un matin rouge, un matin blanc Je remonterai sur mon cerf-volant Un matin rouge, un matin blanc Un matin blême Je remonterai sur mon cerf-volant Et vous laisserez vos cent mille enfants Chargés d'eux-mêmes Pour jeter les dés dans la main du temps Dans la main du temps 
I look forward to seeing it too. Do you get a good response in France from your work? Uh, yes, but you know, it's been it took a long time before I had. Uh, you know, I I know that lots of people believe that Quebecers and those guys, those Frenchmen from France, are so close. But you know, it's really there's a really big difference, and mm. we're culturally so different from them. It, and of course, they had they have so many good artists, so talented artists that you know whenever a Quebecer like me goes to Paris or even to Angoulême with with uh, his books, you know, you, you feel like you're you're starting from very far away. Well, so I guess that being there for a long time has helped me, uh, <laughs> you know, make my way. The language is a little different too, isn't it? It is. It is completely different. Well, it's not completely different, but it, it is different. And for them, uh, Quebecer doesn't speak French. He speaks Quebecer. Yeah. So uh, yes, it it is a problem, you know. And sometimes when I uh, I write my scenarios, uh, especially when I write the dialogues, I you know oftenly I look at them and say, okay, should I make them sound more French from France, or should I should I leave them uh, like a, a Quebecer's uh, kind of speech? Yeah. It's always some sort of dilemma for uh, for me. But yes, I I mean uh, I will go to France for two months now this fall. I'll be I'll be leaving uh, staying in Bordeaux. For, uh, for two months I've been invited by the mayor wow. so uh, I will work on a story over there for two months so <laughs> that's some sort of a victory for me <laughs> that that sounds uh, let's see summer in Bordeaux I, I no think? fall fall oh okay so shouldn't okay. be so bad you know it's still 20 degrees yeah I, th I think it'll be fine oh I'm sure it will <laughs> <laughs> but you know just to answer your question again it's very difficult for uh, for Quebecers for French-speaking Quebecers to make their way in, in the French market or in the European market because competition is very uh, difficult over there and they've got so many talented artists and of course they've been in the comics business for 60 years so uh, you know they know their way around and they know the business so uh, it, it's very very difficult I, I'm, it's probably also very difficult for an English-speaking Canadian to make his way in I don't know in the American market but mm -hmm. uh, as far as Quebecers are concerned, it's really, really difficult. And then, you know, uh, ten years ago, there weren't even there wasn't even one uh, French Quebecer artist doing, you know, making comics in in Europe, or maybe one. It, it, you know, things have begun to change like a decade ago. Other than Julie Doucet. Yeah, well, Julie Doucet is an excep exception because yeah. she's even though her books are uh, very well known, it's still an underground audience. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and even today, uh, as we speak, she's not really making comics anymore, or, no. you know, she's more like an il illustrator now. But, you know, people uh, earning their living with comics uh, in the European market, as far as Quebecers are concerned, that's still a very, it's it's a challenge. She does have a new book coming out this fall. Really? With uh, Michel Gondry. Ah, good. The, I'm glad to hear. The filmmaker. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. It sounds crazy and fantastic. Like also everything like, she does. Like everything, and everything he does, too. Yeah, of course. He's, a, he's an odd man. But, you know, it's been a while since she done, she's done anything. Mm -hmm. Except, uh, like, illustration books or... Uh, well, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe they start, there's, these books are still considered as, as comics, but, you know, the last stuff that I've seen from her, it was more like, you know, a, a big drawing with a few words underneath. Well, she did the journal for L'Association and yes. got republished by Drawn and Quarterly. Yes, of course. So. 
but you know I, I'm very excited if she, if she comes back to uh, to comics or I should say classical comics even <laughs> though this word classical certainly isn't a good way to, to describe yeah. her work but you know I, I'd be very happy if she came back to it does she have an effect in Quebec as like a, an impact for getting so much attention for her work well you know she certainly had an impact because uh, like a decade ago Everybody wanted to be published by l'association, uh, you know, in the French scene, because they were they really were the leader in the underground scene. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, uh, they've published so many good books. Uh, when we saw Julie Doucet uh, getting published by them, everybody felt like, all right, we have a chance. Let's send let's send them our work and see if they wanted to publish it. But uh, <laughs> they're very, you know, they're very critical, and it's. Uh, you know, it's not so easy to get in touch with these guys, and I've met them uh, in Angoulême a couple of times, and even though they're, they've been very nice with me, I've always felt like, you know, uh, no, it, it wouldn't be so easy. No. So, uh, but yes, she has, she's had lots of influence, definitely. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about uh, Michel Rabagliati and the influence that he had for the mm -hmm. last 10 years, but, you know, before Michel Rabagliati, there was Julie Doucet. And, uh, you know, we, we cannot... We cannot forget how you know what she's done uh, before before Michel was there. It, it, it's nice to see all these coming out, like the you, Julie, Michelle, uh, Pascal, Gerard's uh, book. Um, just seeing just this whole because it is, it seems very different to me as far as comics go within Canada. Yes, well, you know, I I don't know. But, uh, I think that. The one thing that I've noticed, you know, when I look at things with a distance, I think that, you know, you talked about Michel and Pascal and, and Jimmy Beaulieu and, uh, you know, even Leftan, my great friend. Yeah. I think we're the first generation of uh, French-Canadian uh, cartoonists who've decided that whatever happens, we're going to draw comics. Yeah. And even if they don't sell, even if it takes us 10 years uh, <laughs> to get recognition, we are still going to publish comics. Because usually, uh, you know, I remember when I was 20 years old, I, I would met, I would meet these guys uh, drawing, uh, doing comics. They would make, well, back then, they, they'd make like one book and say, okay, this is too difficult, I quit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I remember when, we, when I was, uh, you know, drinking beer uh, 10 years ago with Liftan and Jean-François Bergeron, we were sitting in my, uh, my living room and, and everybody agreed on the fact that whatever happens, we have to make comics and yeah. make them again and then go on and move ahead and you know I think that's the, the thing that you have to do when you, you're in the comics business give yourself time and to me to me that's the key that's the key to you know to, to move ahead in comics comics need to be made well they need to be made and you know you, you must not believe that one book will survive by its own you have to, to publish a second one and a, and a third one and a fourth one and each and every time you publish a new book, at least in the French scene, it, it acts as a locomotive uh, for your older books. You know, the, the bookkeepers will put them up front in, on the shelves, and uh, journalists will talk about them, so the, the wheel will keep turning. And that's the key thing. Are you now with more books in English, are you going to try and come out to more English events? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I talked about it with uh, Andy Brown, mm -hmm. the publisher at Conundrum Press, and uh, uh, definitely. I mean, if I get to be invited in uh, on you know on festivals or even for uh, 
any event actually I, I'd be glad to go you know uh, like I said it's, it's like a dream come true for me to uh, to be being translated in English is like a dream come true because you know it's there so it's such a big audience and even though when I was a kid like a really small kid I read mostly uh, European comics I've been influenced by Batman and Superman and lots of other English stuff so working both way around that's something really really exciting for me so yes, definitely. If I get to be invited, in, like in Comics Festival, on the English scene, I, I will go, that's for sure. Maybe if you can explain this in a succinct way, um, what the Quebec identity means, because I think listeners, I have a lot of American listeners, and they kind uh -huh. of think of Canada as Canada. <laughs> and, and okay. So how do you kind of see, the picture yourself within comics as a Quebecer? Oh, wow, that's a very... That's a well, tough... That, that's a great question, you know, well, you know, being Quebecer means you're, uh, mostly you speak French, so you're French, you're, you're, you come from a, friend, from a French culture, that's something. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the political business, because uh, really, I'm not interested in this stuff, and I, I you know, I, I look at artists who let themselves being manipulated by politicians, and I don't like it. But uh, to me, being a Quebecer means you live in, in the province of Quebec, you speak French, and of course, you you were worried about the uh, about French, you know, uh, about the existence of French in North America. So that's one thing. But as far as I'm concerned, anyone who chooses to live in Quebec should be considered as a Quebecer. Uh, you know, I, I was talking about Joelman previously, uh, who was born in Hamilton in Ontario and now mm -hmm. lives in Montreal. Every time that I meet him, he says, "Oh man, my French isn't so good, and I don't speak French so well." But, you know, he lives in Montreal, so as far as I'm concerned, he's a Quebecer, too. Well, you know what's funny with Joe is he kind of has a Quebecer accent. Really? <laughs> I, it's just the way he talks, he sounds like he's from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's something that I've been, uh, that I've noticed when I was in TCAF last May. Uh, when you go, when you're in Canada, outside the frontiers of Quebec, you meet lots of people who don't speak French. Mm -hmm. but who are uh, concerned about uh, about French in Canada. And, and people will say, well, you know, we have to do something just to, to make sure that French will survive in, in Canada. So that, I think that's something that people don't really know. Uh, you know, most of Quebecers don't speak English at all. Yeah. So, of course, they don't know, this, they don't know anything about this, uh, this reality. So, uh, yes, you know, that, to me, that's what it is to be a Quebecer. It's just, you know, being French and living, uh, living in, in the province of Quebec. It, a lot of people don't realize that it is the oldest culture, beyond First Nations culture, obviously, in North America. Uh, yes, I guess. Uh, even though, uh, you know, even though it, it has changed a lot over the 400 oldest, years. The oldest European culture. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes, definitely. And it's still, I hope it is, it's still, you know, going on. And uh, it's, not a, it's not a matter of survival. It's just a matter of being distinct from the French, from France. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not it, it's just it's another way of being French. Yeah, but it's very different from you know from being Belgian or Swiss or uh, from Luxembourg or France. So yes, that's the way I see it. <laughs> well, I hope that answers your question. I, I think so. I think so. <laughs> As I said, I don't want to get into the political babble yeah. because uh, and that's it really pisses me off. You know? I was more curious about the cultural part, the well, the, the, the the Quebecer culture within. Because I mean, it is it is a distinct culture. It's a distinct work being produced. Um, you know, you know, and, the, and and this distinction comes. You know, it's not just a matter of speaking French. Uh, it's a matter of you know 
eating differently and listening to French music and uh, I don't know there, you know lots of uh, I would say lots of habits or attitudes come with the with the, the fact that someone speaks French but you know as as I, as I read in the papers uh, a few a few weeks ago uh, you know there are still lots of English speaking Canadians who are worried and concerned about uh, about the French phenomenon in, in Quebec so Yes, I guess that's for me. <laughs> and, and for American listeners that don't know, there's uh, a, a, we don't even need, we won't go there, but there's this long, sordid history of Canadian constitutional dilemmas that just really yes, didn't well, work out for anyone. That's the business that I don't yeah. want to talk about. It's just not worth covering. <laughs> um, and it, it's not a factor anymore anyways, I feel like. It's, it's a new world. Oh, well, I hope so, no, you know. Anyways, uh, you know what? As I said, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't want to live with a flag in my hands. You know, I'm not carrying yeah. a flag or, you know, the political statement. That's you're that's not that's not my. Uh, you're that's carrying not my a pen. You, I'm what? You're carrying a pen. Yes, I'm carrying a pen. Exactly. <laughs> 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 it's still a difficult business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today, Philippe. Oh, thank you for inviting it, me. It was very delightful, and uh, as I really enjoyed Ruts and Gullies, and I very much look forward to your next book. Thank you. Maybe we'll, see, maybe we'll meet again in TCAF uh, next May. I'm hoping. dit que je suis paresseux Que je ne fais que ce que je veux C'est-à-dire pas grand-chose On dit que je me repose Je suis désolé Je n'ai que de pieds Je n'ai que de pieds Franchement désolé Seul envahit les pieds Et le linge déborde du panier J'ai les cheveux sales, je suis barbu Mais je m'en vais, mon café bu Je suis désolé Je n'ai que de pieds Je n'ai que de pieds Franchement désolé Avec un pétard 
elle veut déplacer les meubles Je suis pas là pour déplacer les meubles Je suis désolé 